What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode nine of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Mr. Jackson Van Over. How are you doing, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. I'm so excited to dive into some next gen, some hands-on impressions. We've got a fun show. Yeah, we do. We are going to talk about the PlayStation 5 first impressions and the teardown of the PlayStation 5 that we saw. As you just alluded to, we've got some watchdogs hands-on impressions, and we're going to have a very fun conversation at the end of the show about our most anticipated next-gen games. So if you want to know which games for the PS5 and Series X that Jackson and I are looking forward to, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. But first, you can catch Preloaded every Monday. We post the video version over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's J-V-J-A-Y-V-E-E, so subscribe to him if you haven't already. Or if you prefer, you can catch the audio version over on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to post a review. If you're enjoying the podcast, posting a five-star review is Probably the biggest thing you could do to help us grow this podcast, other than, of course, listening. And you can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your feedback and your comments, but we'd love to hear your questions. If there's anything you want to hear Jackson and I talk about on the following week's show, write in, send us your questions. We read all the emails that we get. And we'll try to answer them in our mailbag section on the following week's show. And speaking of questions, we are going to kick things off with our segment that we call Who the Hell Are These Guys? And this is where Jackson and I answer a question about our gaming preferences, our gaming histories, to help you, our audience, get to know us a bit better. And Jackson, the question that we are going to kick things off this week, I feel like this is a question a lot of gamers Uh, answer in their head or they maybe hear other podcasters talk about this but we are going to answer it this week and that is if you had to play one game for the rest of your life what game would that be so josh for me i take i look at this from a genre perspective and i think about what's going to give me the most different kinds of content over a long period of time because the rest of my life is a very long time so With that in mind, I think uh, an open world MMO slash RPG is just the best option. Um, And so for that reason, this may shock people, I would probably pick World of Warcraft. I think there is so much to do in that kind of game that it's going to live. I played World of Warcraft almost exclusively for several years, um, unfortunately, when I was in middle school and the early part of high school. So I have already done that, and I had a really good time doing it. Um, I missed out on a lot of other games, but man, you can get a lot of mileage out of a game like WoW. So that's probably what I would choose. Yeah, I'd have to say in terms of content, WoW might actually be one of the, if not the biggest games ever made. So that's a great choice. Uh, For me, it might surprise people who, if there's anybody out there who does know my preferences, because this is not a game I've really played much at all. But I would actually pick Minecraft because I feel like that would give me just similar to World of Warcraft. It would give me so much to do, so much content, and uh, it's as open-ended of a game as you can get. And, you know, if you decide on a project that you want to build something, you can do that. I've seen people build, like, working computers in Minecraft. I can only imagine how much time that takes to figure out and just the, the amount of problem solving and all that. I think it would keep my brain occupied for a very long time but i haven't really spent much time with minecraft i just know that there's a um kind of an endless um, amount of things to do in that game that's kind of a fascinating answer to me because i it almost makes me feel like i never got minecraft because my biggest hang up with that kind of game is the lack of an objective like i want something to push me forward i think they've added some stuff over the years that helps with that but you're right the open-endedness of that kind of game would lend to a you know a lot of uh playtime yeah, yeah. So um, it would be a sad thing to say goodbye to all the other games that I enjoy, but 
I think those are two games that would keep us occupied for a very, very long time. And with that out of the way, we are going to move on to our out this week section. This is where we look at the games. We kind of rattle off the games that are releasing the week that we release this podcast starting this Monday and moving on through Friday. Uh, On Monday, there were no releases of note, but we do have four other releases this week starting with Second Extinction. This releases on Tuesday, October 13th. And the reason uh, that this is on the list, this is an interesting game. It was on the one of the Xbox uh, Series X showcases. It's the multiplayer first-person shooter where you're uh, hunting dinosaurs. So it looks interesting. Um, I'll be interested to see how this game reviews. Uh, that same Tuesday, we also get Torchlight 3. Oh, by the way, Second Extinction, if I didn't mention, that's for PC only. Uh, Torchlight 3 comes out that Tuesday for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition comes out for PC on Thursday, October 15th. I feel like this is a game that's been on the horizon for forever. Um, And then lastly, we have NHL 21 comes out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, uh, and that's on Friday, October 16th. So uh, that was a lot of talking. Jackson, are, are any of these striking your fancy? So I, I wouldn't say in particular, no. Um, I know that Torchlight, those games always get reviewed really well. Um, so maybe just down the line, if I see a sale, I'll grab it. Um, Age of Empires 3 is a game I spent a lot of time playing um, as a kid. So I may check it out. Um, but just knowing my schedule, what's coming up, um, probably not going to spend too much time playing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, moving on, we now have our review roundup. This is where, after looking forward at the week, we look at the week prior at the games that came out and how they're reviewing. Uh, we have three games of note this week. FIFA 21 came out to pretty, I, I don't know. Uh, actually, I feel like these games normally review better than this. Uh, this is on Open Critic, and it reviewed a top critic score of 76%, and 56% of reviewers are actually recommending this game. So not not the best for a FIFA game. I feel like EA sports games this year are kind of stumbling. Yeah, and, and 2K's games. 2K21, I believe we talked about. That's a good point. On the last, cu- yeah, it, it, maybe the reviewers collectively are realizing that these sports games aren't doing enough each year. So, Yeah, yeah, and that I, I think you are you hit the nail on the head on that one. And then the uh, next two games, uh, Genshin Impact, which is a fascinating game. It's a free-to-play game that came out on mobile as well as console. Uh, it's like a, a Breath of the Wild-style um, open-world RPG This is getting a top critic rating of 82% and 100% of reviewers are recommending it. So very good reviews. And I think some news came out that this game made like $50 million in its first week. So uh, good for them. And then, wow, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot in these. It it is free to play, but it still gets a lot of money out of people. uh, That's for sure. So uh, moving on, the last game on this list, I Am Dead, which we actually were considering putting on our um, out this week section last week, but we we neglected to, and it ended up getting fantastic reviews. This is like a, a 3D puzzle adventure game, uh, and I think it came out for Nintendo Switch. I'm not sure what other platforms. Anyways, it's getting a top critic review score of 84% and a recommended uh, rating of 100%. So the best reviewed game out this week was a little-known indie game for Nintendo Switch. Right. I feel like more often than not, that's that's what's happening when we're in these weeks before big releases. Um, you see these little indie gems pop up and get reviewed really well. Uh, Genshin Impact is a game I've seen a lot of buzz about, but I just have not spent the time to look at it at all. So I think I will, you know, considering that $50 million, uh, uh, you know, take home that they've already made in the first week. Yep. So uh, interesting stuff. With that, we are going to take our first break, and when we get back, we are going to get into the week in previews and talk about hands-on impressions for the PS5, as well as dissect, pardon the pun, the teardown video that we saw online for the PlayStation 5. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are now going to dig into the week in previews. This is the section where we talk about all of the news that came out about Upcoming games, next-gen games, and as has been the case the last few weeks and this week as well, the next-gen consoles. We're going to start with the teardown video that we saw Sony uh, posted to their blog and uh, subsequently YouTube and a bunch of channels got a hold of it and uh, took it apart. And this was 
it was like a seven minute video, but it didn't say a whole lot if you're if you don't speak Japanese or if you don't if you didn't get into the articles that were posted about this video. So I'm gonna go into quite some detail here. So the teardown itself was conducted by Yasuhiro Utori, who's the vice president of mechanical design at Sony Interactive Entertainment. And uh, I, I just want to start with kind of the, the, the external stuff, which is that it has a stand. Everybody knows the PlayStation 5 can stand upright or on its side. And to, to stand it on its side, you actually have to detach the stand that's on the bottom of the console with a screwdriver, uh, put the screw in a little compartment so you don't lose it, and then attach it to the side of the console to lay it down flat. Some people are uh, comparing that to the Xbox Series X, which you simply just have to tip over. So <laughs> there, uh, did you see the memes going around? Yeah, Xbox directly responded. I think it was their UK account where they just said, this is how you put our console sideways. And it was just a picture of the Xbox Series X upwards and then, you know, on its side. It was funny. Yeah, so kind of some people comparing it to the, the video PlayStation posted like eight years ago at the E3 where, or however many years ago when they uh, responded to, here's how you share a game on PlayStation. So some, some, fun, <laughs> some fun back and forth between the two on that. Uh, I think that was some good lighthearted uh, competition going on there. Uh, also on the... Uh, just the external part of the system itself, the panels, we got to see how they do, in fact, just pop right off. You do kind of have to force it, it looks like. But I think that this might indicate that maybe we'll see some of these custom panels down the road. Maybe this is how Sony will do their special editions. At least that was my first thought. Absolutely. That's what I thought, too. Um, I believe Brock reached out to me on uh, Twitter. I know you listen to every episode. Um uh, you mentioned that that was the first thing that you thought of, and I, I completely agree. Yeah, that's what I thought of. Um, also, it's kind of interesting to me because the PlayStation 5 is more elegant in my eyes. More elegant, I guess you could assign whatever meaning you want to that word. But compared to like the PlayStation 4, like you don't have swappable plates or anything like that. It's kind of weird to me that they would go down that route for this machine because it looks like a piece of art. But hey... You know, maybe they have grand plans that we just don't understand yet. Um, but the fact that it's that easy to pop off does make me think that they will sell those. Yeah, and it it also they didn't say this. This is actually me speculating, but I also wonder if just having these two side panels that aren't that don't really enclose the system, if that leads to the system staying cool, more ventilation. Because uh, as we saw, much of this teardown focused on. Um, the the noise level and the cooling of the PlayStation 5. Now, if you read the blog, we'll get into a quote in a minute, but there was a there were there are actually a number of quotes on the blog that just basically really drove home that they put a lot of effort into keeping this system as cool and as quiet as possible. And so what we saw in the actual internals of the system itself are um, we saw that the rear side is an entire exhaust port. Um, the fan he took out is is pretty big. Uh, it's maybe the size of your fist if you were to compare it. And then the heat sink is even bigger. I mean, this thing is massive. It looks like it weighs about five pounds. And um, I didn't even know what a heat sink really was until I researched this video. And then also on top of that, the CPU has a what they're calling a, or what is called a liquid metal thermal conductor on the back, which is opposed to a, a more traditional uh, thermal cooling solution for the actual CPU itself. And uh, so those are like three components that they spend a significant amount of time on uh, to keep this system cool. And then they also mentioned in the blog about how they're how it is very quiet. So Jackson, I, I'm not as familiar with some of these components. I know you're a more of a PC gamer. Were, are any of these components familiar to you? Did this mean anything to you? Uh, I wouldn't say that they're directly familiar to me. Um, I just know that cooling obviously is a big part of PC gaming. If you have, you know, a rig, and I'm sure some of you listening are going to be like, "This guy is wrong." Uh, I'm doing my best here, but um, when you have a rig, you know that you're trying to overclock or get the most performance out of. You want to keep the heat down, so a cooling system is important. So when they rolled out this liquid metal thermal con conductor thing that they have going on, it is blowing my mind that they are just that's just like in every single ps5 that's really cool um i thought that was awesome to see and the heat sink was awesome to see too um I, i'm excited that they're coming out front and saying that this thing is going to be quiet and that they spent a lot of time doing that i've mentioned this on our show in the past anytime i do boot up my playstation 4 pro it is the loudest thing in my room by a, a yeah, by a country mile. 
um, yeah, as the saying goes. Yeah, and as I mentioned, they, they did talk about this on the blog. One quote is, uh, af- quote, after an extensive and complex trial for our fans to get their hands, and he means fans as in people who play the system. Let me start this over. Not, not fans as in the internal fan. After an extensive <laughs> and complex trial and error process, we're pleased with the end result, and I cannot wait for our fans to get their hands on the PS5 console and, quote, hear it for themselves. So definitely alluding to that this thing will be quiet. And, you know, going back, we we got a lot of impressions of the Xbox Series X. And that's one thing a lot of people were saying is that it was dead silent. So hopefully that's something we get with next gen across the board. I hope so, too. And um, they also talked about the SSD storage expansion. Um, And I'd love to hear what you think, Josh. I thought this was a little clunky to ask people to kind of (laughs) grab their screwdriver. I get the screwdriver part, but I don't know. I don't think most people are going to be like wanting to mess with this extra expansion slot unless it's absolutely necessary next gen. Yeah, I mean, it is it's it is clunky, especially compared to the Series X, which is just plug and play, plug it right in the back. Uh, But I did expand my storage in my PlayStation 4, not my pro, but when I had my my base PS4, I did it. And that also required that you take the system, you take the case off. And I don't think it required a screwdriver, but um, yeah, I think people will be able to figure it out. My biggest okay. concern is that once you once you actually plug it in, does it require any additional setup on the system itself, or does it just immediately acknowledge that this new piece of hardware has been installed? If that's the case, I think people will be able to handle this. But okay. it might be it might be a little bit of a surprise for some console gamers, or like if there are any you know people who just haven't updated any hardware on like a computer or anything before, it might be a bit of a jolt. But I, I think people will figure it out. Maybe I'm not giving people enough credit. <laughs> yeah, I just think it'll be kind of a nuisance, especially when compared to the Xbox. There's no doubt that Xbox, you know, has a better solution, right? At least in terms of convenience. I think so too. Um, so that was the teardown video. Very interesting stuff. And uh, we also this week got some first impressions. Uh, it seems that Sony had uh, sent some PlayStation 5 units to some content creators, specifically in Japan. And they posted uh, some some videos. Uh, here's what we got to see. We, we got to see the console itself, which we also saw in the, uh, the teardown video. It is massive. By the way, I think this has been confirmed to be, by volume, the largest console ever released. So it is going to be very big. It's a huge boy, as yeah. they say. <laughs> yep. And uh, we got to see um, Astro's Playroom gameplay. And we also got to see some Godfall gameplay. And uh, nothing really surprising here to me i did think astro's playroom looked pretty good but it's uh i wouldn't say it's blowing anybody's mind same with godfall did did you get to see any of these uh videos i did i checked those out and uh i'm gonna go back on what i said actually i think i tweeted about godfall i'm not sure i said it on this i did see your tweet actually okay you saw my tweet and i was like okay now you have my attention but i saw this gameplay again and i'm I've, it's like my mind has changed again. I don't know what it is about this game. I think I just need to play it in order to make my own opinion. Yeah, and I'm I'm just interested to see how it reviews. You know, me uh, too. Me too. Um, I will say the kind of the hack and slash, or, or I, the 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 looter shooter slash hacker looter or whatever they're calling this looter slasher. I think that that genre doesn't really pique my interest. But um, you know, if this game reviews well, I'll 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 give it a shot. Um, so we also, th- there were reports that it was quiet. So we were just talking about that. And these, in, indeed, these initial uh, impressions are that the system doesn't make a lot of noise. So that's good. One thing that got kind of a little bit of news coverage, which doesn't affect us here in the West as much, but in Japan anyway, or across the board for all regions, Sony is changing the confirm button to the X, or they call it officially the cross button. Um, in Japan, this is a big deal because it's just always been the circle button. Um, I'm not sure if that's that's been the case in other regions, but that did get some news coverage. And then the big thing that I think um, might have surprised some people, there was a leak of PlayStation 5 UI footage. And and this was in a, a Russian, um, it was a Russian channel. I think the, 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 the writing on the screen was in Russian, mm-hmm. but you could make out that the storage available was 664 gigabytes. Uh, that's down from the 800, roughly 850 that comes on the system, obviously some's being taken up by the uh, operating system. But for what it's worth, it looks like you might only have 664 gigabytes of storage for your games. Yeah, that's disappointing if that if this leak turns out to be true. Um, I, I think so, at least. If you're talking about like Call of Duty, I'm sure so many people are going to have Call of Duty um, Black Ops on their 
Cold War, whatever it is, on their uh, PlayStation 5, that thing's going to take over more than 100 gigabytes if I had to guess, and every single update's going to add more unless, say, Infinity Ward and Activision come up with a better uh, solution on storage. So that is a bit of a bummer um, for me. I also noticed in this leak that the person is using what looks like a black, like an all-black PlayStation 5 controller. It looks very slick. Which apparently those were the ones that shipped with, from what I read, the dev kits. So this oh, may be a dev I kit see. that he has. Yeah. Gotcha. So, to so, that. so maybe it must be, uh, you know, subject to change, I would say. Yeah. That said, it, it we, we know that it comes with 850, again, roughly gigabytes. So And some of that is going to get taken up by the operating system. So we'll, we'll see definitely how much it comes with when, uh, as we get closer to release or maybe not even until release. But anyways, be prepared to... Uh, juggle your games <laughs> absolutely or be prepared to pry open that back slot and add an extension yep yeah um so that is the playstation 5 news we got this week uh, at least in terms of the hardware very interesting stuff we got some uh some game news on the ghost of tsushima front so ghost of tsushima legends which is something we've talked about on the show before is coming we found out on october 16th which uh at least from the reactions I saw, was much sooner than people initially anticipated. Um, Again, this is the multiplayer component of Ghosts of Tsushima that they are releasing. And uh, before I get into the details, are you going to check this out, Jackson? I am. Yes. Uh, Ghosts of Tsushima is one of my favorite games of this year, uh, next to The Last of Us Part Two. So uh, for me, this is like... And I didn't even expect to have multiplayer for Ghosts of Tsushima. So it was a pleasant surprise to see it. And um, yeah, it seems like a very fun experience, something I wasn't expecting, but at the same time, I'm very excited to check out. Yeah, and and since we did cover this, I won't get into too much detail, but basically this includes a four-player mode where you can play survival missions. It also includes a separate two-player mode that has story missions, and then it has a post-launch raid. So there will be some sort of raid. How many players are involved with that? I'm not entirely sure. But uh, what I found really interesting about this was they released it in a video that basically promoted version 1.1 of Ghost of Tsushima as like a almost they released basically a trailer for a new version of a game. Now, this version also includes some single player stuff. It'll have uh, like new loadouts, new custom gear loadouts. That is a new game plus mode, a new horse, a new merchant that has some new stuff you can buy. But just really interesting how they're how Sony is marketing this as almost like a a, a new DLC release, but it's basically just a free update that's version 1.1. Sure, it's it's like a, a live service game in a way. Um, we, we throw that term around a lot, but this actually reminds me of the way that Ubisoft supports Assassin's Creed games, at least the last several ones. Um, obviously, they are selling DLC, but at the same time, they will release incremental updates that add little things and give people um, an opportunity to revisit the game that they paid $60 for to get even more value out of it. And I think it's a great way to build uh, loyalty um, around these studios and around the brand in general. Um, so I, it seems to me with the way that Sucker Punch released this game, released the Legends trailer, and then it's now coming out the 16th. I mean, they've been at this for a really long time. This was the plan all along and they're executing it really well. I can't wait to play New Game Plus, by the way, for this game when I get the chance. Yeah, yeah. Ghost of Tsushima won me over. It was it got it off to a slow start for me, but it is one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, we also got, speaking of multiplayer, we got some Watch Dogs Legion multiplayer news. Now, they've been pretty much radio silent on how the multiplayer is going to work, but on the 6th, they released a trailer that pretty much laid out what they're going to release. Uh, it's all going to come with the first free update for the game, which is coming on December 3rd. And this game releases late October, late this month. So you will have to wait about a month to to get this content. But what we are going to get is a mode that will let you explore the open world with up to four players. Uh, This will include co-op missions and dynamic events. So kind of what you would expect from a open, you know, a a multiplayer experience that does let you explore the open world uh, with your friends. They are also launching a separate multiplayer mode called Tactical Ops which features uh, new missions that are tailor-made for up to four players. So I'm imagining this won't take place in the open world, and these will be like custom environments that you get to go through these missions in. There's also a uh, PvP mode, so it's not all co-op. 
And this is uh, this actually looks pretty cool to me. It's called Spider-Bot Arena, where you take control of one of the Spider-Bots that we've seen in the trailers, um, and you, uh, I guess, battle it out in an eight-player deathmatch. So that's coming. Then there's a bunch of uh, story content that's coming with this update on December 3rd. Um, so this is going to bring back... Uh, uh, it, this, I, I guess, is actually multiplayer. There's Invasion is coming back, which if you remember from Watch Dogs 2, uh, Invasion had uh, other players coming in and they would hack your your character, basically, and you had to kill them before they finished the hack, if I remember correctly. So um, there's that. Then there's the Season Pass. And this is actually really interesting. Now, we already knew that Aiden Pierce was coming in some DLC. Uh, so that is apparently with this update. There's a uh, um, an expansion called Bloodline. It features Aiden Pierce as a playable character and Wrench from Watch Dogs 2, who's a, who's a super cool character, at least I thought. He's coming. And then there's another new character named uh, Mina who can perform some mind control abilities, which is very interesting. Uh, and then there's an Assassin's Creed crossover. There's a new character named Darcy who's a member of the Assassins from Assassin's Creed. Um, lots of stuff, uh, Jackson. We're going to get into some more Watch Dogs uh, news in a bit uh, with your hands-on impressions, but what are your... What are your thoughts about all this? Yeah, this took me by surprise because none of my hands-on ever mentioned multiplayer or any of these features. So I know some press, like I believe uh, Joraptor, uh, uh, another like very well-established Ubisoft content creator, got to play the multiplayer and has a lot of details on that. So this was also you know, this was fresh to me, even though I had played the game. Um, but it just sounds like they're really going all in on making every Ubisoft I'm talking about, making every single one of their games a live service game that they want you to play over the next year or so. Um, I think it's been proven, especially with Origins and then even further so with Odyssey, that people who love Ubisoft games will continue to spend a lot of time in them and adding all of these modes for them to get even more value um, out of that experience is very, very smart. And this, all of this stuff gets me very interested. Um, like the full open world with up to four players. I mean, that almost reminds you of Grand Theft Auto, right? And and we know how big GTA Online is and how much money that makes. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. And it's funny that the Darcy assassin thing, she's not canon for you guys that are very uh, into that. So she's not going to, be relevant in Valhalla or anything like that. But it's cool to see them do that. And Ubisoft usually does a good job there. Yeah, I, I think that particularly is a great, like, I feel like Watch Dogs and, you know, I, I don't think anybody would argue this. I think Watch Dogs is just not uh, not nearly as popular as Assassin's Creed, but I don't think it ever reached the popularity that uh, Ubisoft had hoped. And right. I think this is a great way to maybe, you know, pull over some interest from Assassin's Creed. I don't know if it'll move the needle in terms of the popularity of the franchise, but um, and then just the way they support their games. I totally agree. Ubisoft knocks it out of the park in this uh, compartment or uh, department rather uh, where they support their, their games, whether or not they get off to a good start. They continue to put the money and energy and time into them that they uh, that they can. And, and uh, I think it's great for people who do uh, put in the investment to play these games. Absolutely. You get a lot of value. So if you love Watch Dogs and you don't buy a ton of games every year, they're supporting it. It's great yeah. for you. Yep. So now we have some quick hits. Uh, like I said, we do have a hands-on impressions of Watch Dogs. But before we get into that, uh, some real quick hits. I'm going to try and get through these pretty quick. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered was announced last week. This is coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on November 6th and Nintendo Switch on November 13th. So if you're into uh, prior Need for Speed games, this might be something you'd be interested in. Uh, you probably heard that Cyberpunk 2077 went gold last week. So this basically just means that the game is uh, going to be printed on discs. We know that. It's not going to get delayed. At least that's a very safe bet at this point. It's probably going to meet its November 19th release date. So very exciting news. We're all waiting to play that game. Speaking of Cyberpunk, the next Cyberpunk Night City Wire, the fourth one was announced, and that is going to, I think this news just hit today. Yes. We're going to see this on October 15th. We also got news that uh, going from super high budget, super high production to uh, a little bit lower budget, Bug Snacks, we now know is a PS5 launch title. So that's coming November 12th. Uh, so everybody's talking about Bug Snacks. 
<laughs> Can't stop talking about yep. it. And then uh, lastly, Outriders. The uh, Actually, I'm not even going to try to sum up what this game is, but um, it is now dated for February 2nd, 2021. It was initially a holiday 2020 release, so Outriders got delayed. If you were looking forward to that, that's some uh, that's a bit of a bummer. Uh, before I move on, Jackson, any comments on these quick hits? I just wanted to add for Outriders. Um, I'm actually allowed to say now that I'm like an ambassador for Outriders. Oh wow! So I'm yeah, I'm going to be able to share some um, kind of exclusive information with you guys, which is cool. Um, and they're going to send me some goodies. I'm going to be able to check out the game um, hopefully early at some point and give you guys some hands-on impressions. Um, but yeah, they basically said COVID delayed their game, which is you know it's just great to hear an honest upfront excuse like COVID. There you go. This is when our game's coming. So yeah. Yep, and everybody wants the game to be as good as possible. Uh, we, you know, so uh, take the time you need. That'll be something we will echo almost every time a game is delayed. Uh, you'll hear that here on Preloaded. So now let's move on to your first your your hands on impressions of Watch Dogs. You got to play this game, so let's. Uh, I'm not going to take any more uh, oxygen out of the air. Take it away. Okay, so I got to play four hours of Watch Dogs Legion. This is the second time I've played, so now I've got eight hours of time in the game. First time I played the game, um, it really just rubbed me the wrong way, and I think it was mostly my fault. I, I think I just had forgotten what kind of game, what kind of experience Watch Dogs was um, from the second game, Watch Dogs 2. Um, so I started for a little bit after the very beginning of the game. My first demo was the very start, so this was probably picking up right where I left off in the first demo. Um, a completely open world. I could do whatever I wanted. There was no restriction um, in terms of story stuff, uh, I played through one arc, which took about two to three hours, um, centering around Clan Kelly, which is one of the main villains and one of the people behind the Zero Day bombings, which is the main um, story. Not going to spoil anything for you guys, but very interesting character there. Um, I did several recruitment missions as the play as anyone feature. Um, that is pretty much the the best part, I think, of Watch Dogs Legion. And I really saw the value from that in my demo. Um, I love that. I also liberated uh, a borough and I did uh, one of their exotic missions at the end, which had me guide a spider bot up through Big Ben, like the, the clock tower there in London. Yeah, it was a great set piece. Um, so yeah, just to kind of sum up, I was really impressed compared to my first time playing through. And I'm going to play this thing when it comes out. And that's a big turnaround from where I was after my first uh, demo. So yeah, did you have any questions, Josh? I guess, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit, but the, the play as anyone feature, did you encounter any redundant content? That's my biggest question about this game. No, I didn't. And that's awesome. Yeah. And I, this is going back to my first session. So I didn't see anything in my second session that I had already seen in my first. So if that, I think that's a pretty good answer to your question. If I'm not seeing duplicate content in eight hours, um, who knows how long it'll take for me to run into the same stuff. Yeah, and just for people listening, what I'm referring to is like, you know, there's all these characters that you can recruit in the game. And my concern is that you'll recruit somebody, they'll give you a recruitment mission to bring them onto your team. And then like four hours later or 10 hours later, maybe you'll recruit another one and maybe they'll give you the same recruitment mission. I just have questions about, can Ubisoft create enough recruitment missions to give you to make sure that you have a new one every time you you recruit someone? So it's really I'm really happy to hear that you didn't uh, encounter yeah. any any duplicative content. Yes, I didn't, and obviously there is a limit to how much procedurally generated and scripted content that they created in the game. But it doesn't seem to be an immediate thing that's going to affect most people on one playthrough, which is awesome. Yeah, very very cool. We'll. Uh, we're all looking forward to that. Um, I actually wish I had the release date for that game sitting right in front of me. I know it's late October. Is it the 29th that that game I comes out? I believe it is October 28th or 29th. 29th is a Thursday and okay. 28th is a Wednesday. So a little strange there, but it's about, it's from the time this goes up, about two and a half weeks away. Yep. So look forward to that if uh, you're looking forward to getting into Watch Dogs Legion. We are now going to get into our deep dive discussion, and this is going to be a fun one this week. Jackson and I are going to count down our top 10 most anticipated games of the next generation. And we're going to do our top 10 each. So this will be, uh, you know, there will be some overlap. But what we're going to do is go through our first five games. So this will be games 10 through 6 rather quickly. So we're just kind of going to rattle these off. 
But then once we get to our top five, we're going to talk about them uh, each individually a bit more. So, Jackson, did you want to kick things off with your number 10 game, your your 10th most anticipated game of Next Generation? <laughs> yes, and I don't want to undersell, like, there are a lot of great games here. So my 10 through yeah. 6 means I'm still really hyped for these games. This is just how I ordered them. Um, and there's probably not much of a difference between these. So uh, number 10 for me is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. This is one of the only PS5 exclusive games that we know about, which is weird to say because there's a lot of cross-gen stuff going on. But uh, this is still holiday 2020. It's October 8th by the time we're recording the or as we're recording this, and we don't know when this thing's coming. Sorry, I'm taking way too long here. Anyways, Scratch and Clink. This is a game I want to play, so it's on my list. Number nine yeah. is Deathloop. This game um is cross-gen i love everything arcane makes this is very quirky i'm very interested in the roguelite sort of um time loop thing so death loop very excited for that uh fable is on my list i loved the first uh, and second fable fable 3 was a little iffy but it's great to see this series revived i know we are way far off but this is on my list because i really do like the fable games um so that's there number seven is starfield uh, Starfield, we don't know much about, but this is a huge, big budget Bethesda game. It might even be exclusive. Everyone's going to be talking about this thing. And as a Bethesda fan, I will too. So, uh, Starfield's very interesting. And then Spider-Man Miles Morales is my number six. And that's just because some other games were more higher on my list, but very excited for this game. As I said, I loved uh, Spider-Man PS4. And so this being the mini sequel, um, everything Insomniac does I love. I'm very excited to play this game on launch. Awesome. My top 10, or my number 10, excuse me, wasn't on your list. That's Hitman 3. Um, I loved the Hitman games. They're among my favorite games that I didn't ever finish. Uh, so I'm really excited to get into Hitman 3. Hopefully this one I can get to the end of. Uh, the next game on my list, number 9, is a game I feel like is not getting much attention at all. It's actually, I believe, an Xbox and PC exclusive, The Medium. I feel like the uh, this is also like a next-gen exclusive that's doing something unique where uh, it is rendering two worlds at once, and you can switch between the two uh, on the fly. So and as they're marketing it, this is not something they could have done on prior-gen consoles. It's also a horror game. So if you're into that, the medium, I'm very excited about that. Uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is number eight. Uh, the reason that this isn't higher is just uh, it is a smaller experience. And as much as I love Spider-Man, one of my favorite exclusives of last generation, I do feel like this is going to be kind of more of the same. And it's hard for me to put something that's you know more of the same, even if it's more of the same awesomeness, higher on my list. Uh, number seven is Deathloop. So uh, I'm also very excited about this. But um, Arcane Games haven't particularly hooked me in the past i'm really hoping that this one does because i think the gameplay looks fantastic i love the style of the game just looks really great and then number six on my list is ratchet and clank which some people might be surprised because on a prior episode i actually said this was my most anticipated next gen game but just from everything we've seen since then there are five games on my list that i am looking forward to more i'm really though excited to see how this game handles the switching between levels because apparently that's really taking advantage of the next gen hardware in a way that previous gen couldn't couldn't do so that's my number six through ten so now do you want to kind of go back and forth jackson you do five i do five you do four i do four or uh, yes is that yeah okay. let's go back and forth um but i do want to say you're exposing me as not quite the ratchet and clank fan that i have claimed i am um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that game is gonna be great i'm really excited for that game yeah well there's a lot to look forward to so just because you alluded to earlier just because a game is you know maybe low on this list doesn't exactly. mean we're not looking forward to it a lot uh there's just right. a ton of great games coming out right and there's games that didn't even make my list that i want to talk about but we've got Same 10 here. we're sticking to 10 yes yep. um so my number five is Demon Souls. Um, I have been insanely impressed with everything I've seen uh, from this game. It looks fantastic on PlayStation 5. Um, it's going to be either this or Miles Morales, and this probably is going to win in terms of the first game that I boot up in my PlayStation 5 and play. Um, I love the classic Souls experience, and I've never played Demon Souls. So the fact that this looks a little bit like a fresh coat of paint, more polished, quicker, which is a big thing for me. I think Josh agrees with me on that. Um, I, I'm very excited to play Demon Souls. Yeah, I am excited for Demon Souls. It didn't make my list. Um, <gasps> I, yeah, I know. I am. I'm super excited to play this game. I I pre-ordered it. It's going to. I have a feeling based off of uh, like 
Sekiro and Bloodborne, which two of my favorite games of the prior generation. But uh, for some reason, I, I don't know why. I, I really can't put my finger on it. Demon Souls is not, um, it's not like a, it's just not one of my most hyped games. But I, I hope that it proves me wrong and that I can't stop playing it when it comes out. I think we all hope hope that's the case with every game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my number five might uh, surprise some people being uh, at number five, not higher. God of War Ragnarok. Um, now, I have an interesting history with God of War. It is uh, on a, from a technical standpoint and from a execution standpoint, I have to say it's one of the best games of the last generation. But I played it at a rather unfortunate time that I was super busy. I had trips planned and I had a lot of stuff going on and I had to split the time that I beat God of War into like four different sections. I played it, left it for a couple of weeks, came back, played it for a couple of weeks. And unfortunately, that kind of tainted my experience with it. So I didn't really fall in love with God of War the way a lot of people did. And for that reason, it's not higher on my list. But I do know that because of what Sony Santa Monica is capable of, this game is going to be just a a showpiece. And I know it's going to be spectacular. So that's why it made my list. But in terms of my experience with the original God of War, I can't put it higher, so that's uh, might be might be a surprise to some people, but very excited for it nonetheless. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Uh, so my number four is Horizon Forbidden West. This is the sequel to Zero Dawn, which was one of my favorite new IPs of the of the last generation. Um, I think Guerrilla, what they were able to create, um, and I don't know. There's something special about a new IP. When a new IP comes out and just knocks it out of the park, I am instantly become a fan of that new IP. And and it makes your mind race at the possibilities of what they can go to next. And so from the footage that they've shown so far, um, I am just unnervingly hyped <laughs> for Forbidden West. Um, I think going to a different locale is going to be fantastic. Um, California is beautiful, so I'm excited to learn more about that post-apocalyptic story from a different lens. I also love the way that the original game um, sort of posed this very tired trope um, that we see in a lot of media and kind of made it a little more hopeful. Um, And I love that about Horizon. So that is why I'm really excited for Forbidden West. Yeah, uh, very, very excited for that as well, as you will see not too (laughs) long from now. But uh, moving on, my number four game is Gotham Knights. I really was happy with what they showed of this game. I thought the reveal was just really well executed. But uh, uh, truth be told, the real reason this game is one of my most anticipated games is the Arkham games are among my favorite of all time. Uh, uh, Arkham Asylum is easily in my top 10 top games of all time. And uh, I just have love. I, I haven't played an Arkham game I didn't like. Now, I know this isn't an Arkham game and it's not even developed by uh, um, Rocksteady. Rocksteady. But I feel like this is the this is. The closest thing we're going to get now that we know that uh, uh, the Suicide Squad game is what it is. So, and and I, I like that this game does seem to be, even though it is a, a co-op experience, if you want to play with one other friend, it's a two-player co-op experience if you want it to be. It does seem like they're giving you the opportunity to play this solo. And I do think that it's going to be a, uh, it just looks fantastic to me. I, I love the aesthetic, the, this kind of more colorful look that they're going for with these fluorescent lights and um yeah, just more more time in Arkham City to me, I, I or uh, Gotham City, excuse me. I can't wait. Yeah, it, it looks really fun. It's not on my list, but it's definitely something I'm going to be playing for sure. Uh, so next on my list, uh, number three is God of War Ragnarok. And um, luckily for me, I was able to get that kind of streamlined experience. I actually streamed my uh, time playing through the entire game wearing a beard. Um, back in the Facebook days, I, <laughs> right. I, I bought a Viking beard hat thing and wore it. People loved it. Um, but um, nice. I had such a, a an awesome connection with that game because I had played all of the previous God of War games since they started coming out. I was really into the aesthetic of the original vision. And to see that they were able to take that and create something new and make Kratos a dad and make it more of a... Yeah. Uh, narrative character driven story rather than the game where you're just ripping things apart and the blood's really awesome. You know, they, they really evolved that thing. And um, Ragnarok, when that was revealed recently, just blew my mind. And so um, just in terms of sheer hype, I had to include it in my top five 
We don't know much about this game, but based on the laurels of the achievements of of the previous game, it is it is one of my most anticipated games for a very long time. So that's why it's my number three. So uh, number three on my list, uh, I feel like this is a bit because it's close, uh, but I also think it looks fantastic. Immortals Phoenix Rising, I think looks awesome. Uh, and I, I had said to you kind of behind the scenes previously that this looks like a combination between Assassin's Creed Odyssey and um, uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, Breath of the Wild, yeah, totally escaped my mind there. Um, and I think everybody agrees those that that's kind of what it looks like. And those are two of my favorite games of the last generation. So if they really execute this well, uh, the, getting the combination of those two games, I, I couldn't ask for anything that is more up my alley. This just looks it looks really fun. I was really pleased. A lot of people didn't like the trailer either, the way they paired it with that kind of James Brown fun <laughs> music. I was totally, I was all about it. Like I was watching this trailer. I was like, this is a game tailor-made for me so i'm really excited about immortals phoenix rising and it's coming out december 3rd so it's right that's an awesome answer josh i i I kind of considered that for my list but um for people that dig the the vibe the tone that this game is putting out it is perfect it really nails it so um that's awesome i'm excited to play that one too um so for my number two um surprise surprise uh assassin's creed valhalla is my number two i've spent a lot of time in the last year revisiting um, a series that I picked up back in 2007. And um, I've been playing through all the games leading up to Valhalla. And I've gotten to play Valhalla, as you guys know. And uh, as I'm moving into the open world games, more and more I'm really appreciating that decision that Ubisoft made to move into them. I think they are fantastic. I think they get um, not enough credit for what they pulled off with these open world games and to see them moving um, towards a Viking setting and also reintroducing some very assassiny elements we saw in the recent trailers um, makes me believe that this will be the entry that is most like the older games, but still, um, you know, keeps the new games, uh, the strengths of the new games in place. Cause I think that's really important. There's a reason why this series has had a resurgence in popularity. So um, Valhalla, I think, has every opportunity to knock it out of the park and be one of the best Assassin's Creed games we've played um, in a very long time. And I mean that. So uh, that's why Valhalla is number two on my list. It's going to be one of the first games that I play because it's a launch title um, on the new consoles. That That's awesome. I'm glad it made your list. I did not put Valhalla on my list just because as I've said on this show before, I, I recently played through Odyssey and I spent a ton of time with that game and uh, I still have a little bit of Assassin's Creed fatigue and also the setting of Valhalla doesn't fascinate me like Ancient Greece does, but I'm glad that you mentioned it. Uh, I do think the game looks great and hopefully similar to Demon Souls. You know, I hope that I start playing Valhalla and I just can't stop playing it and I like it as much as I did Odyssey. So great to see that. I just wanted to say real quick, Creed fatigue should be something like... That's hilarious, Creed <laughs> yeah. fatigue. It actually should be because, yeah, we've got a lot of Assassin's Creed games. Um, so number two, this was tough for me to decide where to put this game because we don't know much of anything about it. But uh, based off of Bethesda's pedigree with their big open world games, I had to put Starfield as number two. So I just feel like I haven't played an, a really good sci-fi game, particularly like a sci-fi open world RPG since maybe Mass Effect 2. I just feel like I haven't. And maybe I'm missing something here. Uh, maybe there has been a game that I've played or that other people have played. I think but you're right. That's, that's, I'm just dying for like a really good sci-fi massive experience. And uh, I'm hoping that Bethesda can deliver those screenshots that they sent out. I mentioned this last week. Really reminds me of the kind of the flavor that I got from watching The Expanse, which just that show sucked me right in. So if this game is uh, kind of in that sphere, uh, I'm I am all about just diving into some intergalactic or interstellar space opera stuff. You're making me doubt my list because you is described exactly what I want out of Starfield. So um, yeah, can't wait to play that game. That's a great number two. Um, so number one for me and Josh and I kind of discussed what makes a next gen game a next gen. Um, I went with Cyberpunk 2077. 
Um, it is going to be available on current gen, but it's also releasing right around um, next gen. So it will be available on those consoles and PC, of course. But Cyberpunk is just so many years in the making, so much hype that I feel like has been delivered on with everything that they've shown so far. Um, Cyberpunk represents a sort of aesthetic and open world um, vibe that I feel like no video game has really ever tackled. And um, I guess you could say Deus Ex has tried this, but uh, just Cyberpunk in general is such a compelling backdrop for an RPG. And the fact that one of the best RPG developers ever, at least action RPG in my opinion, in CD Projekt Red is making it, um, and the fact that we're finally seeing this thing coming out that has been teased for eight years, I believe, uh, is there's just so much writing on this. It's been delayed several times. Just the fact that it's finally coming out, we are going to get our hands on it. And um, I'm just going to get hopelessly lost in this world. It has to be my number one. And it's coming so soon. I'm sure that's also a factor. But it has to be my number one. Just there was no question to me when I was making this list. That's my most hyped game. Yeah, awesome. Well, I did not have Cyberpunk on my list, but not because it's not one of my most anticipated games. I just, uh, when I made my list, I thought, you know, that game has developed for current gen and it is getting a next gen update, but I kind of put that in the category of current gen. Definitely not to take away from your list. I think that's, it probably would have been number one on my list had I included it. So uh, because it's not on my list, what I put as number one is Horizon Forbidden West. And the reason is, is Horizon was my favorite IP of the new IP of the previous generation. I love what Guerrilla did with the story and the world that they created. The, the, the fact that they managed to create um, robot dinosaurs and then actually pretty convincingly justify their existence. As cool as robot dinosaurs are, you could imagine they just decided to make a game about them and just say nothing about it. it that probably would have been okay. But they've made this really interesting story and backdrop that uh, I just felt made that world really believable. And uh, I, I loved uncovering how everything came to be in the world of Horizon Zero Dawn. And I really look forward to seeing how they carry that forward in Forbidden West. I also think that that game had some of the best combat of any game of last generation, the way you would um, you know, find the weaknesses of these huge uh, mechanical creatures and then take them down with your bow and arrow or whatever other, the, the traps that you could set for them. Just thought the combat was... Uh, spectacular. So can't wait to see what they do with uh, yeah Horizon and uh, see where Aloy goes and how the story unfolds. Just can't wait to get uh, inserted into that world. Very well said. Literally nothing to add. Um, I just want to say that overall, listing all of these games has me that much more hyped for next gen. I mean, I can't like next the previous generation like Xbox One and PS4, the lead up to that was not nearly as exciting, at least in my memory, as this one. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot uh, on the slate. I think 2021. So prior to 2020, we were all saying this is going to be the best game for video games ever. Then COVID <laughs> happened and threw a wrench into that. But I do really feel like 2021 could be one of the best games, best years for games that we've ever experienced. Absolutely. I, I am so hyped. So with that, we are going to take our second break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about what we are currently playing. We'll be right back. And we're back once again. We are now going to talk about what we've been playing. Jackson, what has been keeping you busy lately? So my answer is short and sweet. It's Assassin's Creed Origins. I need to get on my soapbox for 30 seconds to a minute here. This game is blowing my mind. I'm playing it on my PC I've got it on high settings or very high settings. It's extremely smooth compared to when I originally played it on console. It's 60 frames just locked in. Um, and I am astounded at the transition from the prototypical Assassin's Creed to the open world. As I mentioned towards the top of the, the show, when we talked about Valhalla. Wow. 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 Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Origins is probably my favorite Assassin's Creed, and I'm only 10 hours in. Bayek is fantastic. Yeah, it's so good. I, I can't explain in words yet why it's so good, but it is just blowing my mind. And I'm going to be putting as much time as I can before the next one comes out. That's exciting, man. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it. So for what I'm playing, I played, uh, I finally finished up Ori and the Will of the Wisps. That game 
had a slow start for me. Uh, it was really obtuse at the beginning. I didn't really know what to do or where to go, but the longer I played it, the more it just sucked me right in. I think I said before, one of the most, if not the most beautiful 2D platformers I've ever played. Uh, so highly recommend that, especially if you have uh, Game Pass. It's it's on Game Pass. Uh, I finally dug into Hades, uh, which I can confirm is a very fun game. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I would say it's the masterpiece that a lot of people are saying, but it is very, very addictive, and it just pulls you in for just one more run, one more run, one more run. Uh, I wish the runs were a little shorter. Um, it takes maybe 30 to 35 minutes per, and uh, for some reason that and it might even be longer, but for some reason that just feels a little long. At the, when I'm done with like two, I'm I'm ready to put the game down. But still a very very fun game. Um, and then I decided to celebrate Halloween this month by playing uh, Resident Evil Seven, which I started a while ago and never finished. Just one of those games that something else came up and I never finished. And I feel like with Resident Evil Eight on the horizon or Resident Evil Village as they're calling it, I feel like I should uh, play. Seven because I'll I'll probably cover Resident Evil Eight at at some point on my channel. So this is kind of to celebrate Halloween and also prepare me for that game. Uh, and I'm loving it by the way. It's uh I don't know how anybody could play this game in VR because it is oh. super super scary. It Resident Evil Seven is one of the scariest video games I've ever played, and I played PT. Um, yeah, Resident Evil Seven <laughs> is terrifying. Yep, yeah, super scary and like. I totally forgot. Well, I won't spoil it, but I totally forgot how how brutal the first like thirty minutes of this yeah. game. Holy smokes! It it sets the tone really well. Yeah, yeah. So we are now going to get into. We're going to dig into our mailbag. This is where we uh, pick a at least one question uh, from our the the questions that you guys and gals send into our email address. It's preloadedpodcast at gmail .com. So thank you to everyone who wrote in. We do read all of our messages, and this week we are going to take a question from Casey, who writes in and asks, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax. Which of their long list of games do you think will help sell the most Xbox consoles? So Jackson, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. So for me, Casey, thank you for your question first off. Um, my thoughts are that this is one of the biggest blockbuster acquisitions ever, um, and it's going to impact the landscape of games um, for many years to come, especially if Microsoft decides to make most of ZeniMax's products exclusive. So we don't really know if that's going to happen yet. We've heard some quotes. We're not 100% sure. But to answer your second part of that question, um, which of their long list of games do I think will sell the most Xbox consoles? Um, I think anything that Bethesda Game Studios makes, so Starfield is a big, big one. We need to pay close attention to that for the reasons that Josh described um, and I described in our top 10 list, there's a reason we're hyped for it. Um, <clears throat> the Fallout IP in general, I think will be huge. It already is huge. So the next time we get another Fallout game, although that's who knows when that's coming. Um, and then the Elder Scrolls 6, which is coming sooner than the next Fallout game, that IP I think will sell um, big time. So I know I'm getting way too much credit to just Bethesda Game Studios, but I think they deserve it. Uh, with Fallout and Skyrim doing as well as they have, that those are the games that will sell the most, I believe. Yeah, um, I have a few things to add there. I think one of my overall thoughts on this acquisition is uh, I echo what uh, Jackson said, that this is one of the biggest deals that we've ever seen of this type, but I wonder how it's going to impact the first party kind of uh, situation in next gen. You know, is Sony going to counter with, are they going to keep, I, I have a feeling they will keep acquiring other studios, uh, maybe not at a rapid fire pace, but I have a feeling that, you know, Sony is going to bolster their studios as a response to this and in continuation of what they've already been doing. So I think it'll be interesting to watch that. Uh, I think that another big studio that's included with this is id Software. I think that uh, Doom and even though I guess technically it's not id Software anymore, Wolfenstein, uh, who I think is now done by Machine Games, I think are two major IPs. I don't think they're going to move the needle quite as big, quite as much as the games that Jackson listed off. But I I don't think you can overlook those IP, uh, but I, I do think that it's got to be Elder Scrolls is going is the biggest one of all these. Uh, I think that Fallout and Starfield will be right there behind it. But once Elder Scrolls 6 launches, if that's exclusive, I mean, that's going to be a game changer for Microsoft and for Xbox. If Microsoft wants to immediately print money via Xbox sales, they will make that game exclusive. Yep. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how they handle the exclusivity situation there. We're all looking forward to to that, unless 
maybe unless you're you don't have an, an xbox series x uh but uh super interesting to watch so that is going to wrap up our show this week uh once again we just want to uh, thank everyone for listening and for your support. We've noticed that uh, some people are listening every week and uh, we just love interacting with you on Twitter and getting your messages. Uh, again, you can write in to preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, again, if you're listening on any of the audio formats, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe there and rate the show if you don't mind. And then before we sign off, Jackson, anything you want to plug on your channel? Sure. So I, I got to play Watch Dogs once again. So I have that preview that Josh mentioned. That's up on my channel. Um, once again on YouTube, I'm J-A-Y-V-E-E. And then you can find me on other platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm JV on YT. And you can find me. I'm at Quest Mode Games on both Twitter and Instagram. And keep an eye on my channel. I do have something coming. I can't tell you what it is yet, but it's going to be... I'm not going to have the massive gap in content that I normally do with my ultimate previews. There is something coming up, so stay tuned. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you there, and we'll very much look forward to seeing you on next week's show. Again, thank you so much for listening or watching. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.